Top 14, the finest football multimedia page out there. Follow us on the socials and don't forget to like and subscribe. Enjoy this episode. Good evening, you're listening to the Top 40s podcast. It's Tom and Lucas back at it again. And this week we have a relegation special from League One, given that at the time of recording, the League One season has just finished. Also, please note to our Manchester United listeners and to our Brentford listeners that the Manchester United versus Brentford game is concurrent. With 63 minutes played, this is 2-0 to the Red Devils with goals from Bruno Fernandes and Cristiano Ronaldo in Red Devils ahead. Tomo, good evening, fella. Evening, Lucas. Uh, yeah, good. Another good weekend of football, obviously focusing more around League One this week just due to the fact that that season is the first one to conclude, which actually I don't understand it really. I'm not sure why they've done it. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe there's a reason for it, but it is, it's a bit strange to me actually. But I quite like it, to be fair, I quite like it. You literally just contradicted yourself. So we will get the ball rolling with the Premier League and we will start off at Villa Park as we saw the first relegation casualty of the season as Norwich City had their, had their relegation mathematically confirmed as a Danning's masterclass succumbs them to a year in the championship as they're fast becoming the yo-yo club of the league. As goals from Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings consigning Norwich to the drop as a toothless performance from the Canaries means that they'll be playing championship football next season. Tomo, what do you have to say about Norwich this season? I think that they need a massive rebuild and clear out because if I was a Norwich supporter I would actually be very frustrated because for me it when you get promoted I'm not saying you have to go stupid and start spending massive amounts of money because at the end of the day we've seen with QPR the really bad permutations that can happen down the road if if that's unsuccessful and Fulham as well you know they've been a team that have spent money and gone down but Norwich just seem to accept relegation. I feel like every time a team plays Norwich as well, they have that reputation now of being so poor that I think even the players that play for the club don't believe that they can stay up. I don't think I don't think that the likes of Pookie and uh, people like Tim Krull, Ben Gibson, Grant Hanley, I don't think those players believe that they can stay up in the Premier League. And they had a little bit of a, a good run when Dean Smith came in, but I don't think that was the right appointment, in my opinion, because, as I say, he's not going to change much. And and financially, Norwich, they, they're they owned by Delia Smith and another group, and they've not got a lot of money. They've not really got a massive pull, because let's be honest, not many people want to go and live in that area, which is not a bad area to live in at all, but it's just out the way. Um, and so they do find it hard to attract players, but I think it's difficult. Um, and I think the only way that they need to get out of this cycle of a yo-yo is maybe to spend a couple of years down in the championship and then and then come back up. Yeah, if I was a Norwich fan, I'd be really disappointed. And I'd also be thinking for new ownership who has a bit more money because obviously Delia Smith and Co don't have them don't have the most amount of money in the Premier League, they have by far and away one of the smaller budgets, if you like. So that consigns Norwich to, to the drop. And the new manager bounce when Dean Smith came in faded out very quickly and things t- did turn pear-shaped for the Canaries. As a 2-0 loss at the hands of Dean Smith's former employers and boyhood club consigned them to another, to another season in the Championship. And as you said, I reckon spending three, four, even half a decade in the championship will perhaps teach them a few lessons, I reckon. Another game we're going to talk about in the Premier League is another team who is as good as down. And and said team who is as good as down is indeed Watford. As their last gasp defeat against Burnley, despite holding out for 75 minutes, Burnley hit back with two late goals to take the points back to Turf Moor and break Watford hearts. And it now means that if Watford lose to Crystal Palace on Saturday, then they will be going down. And as as for Burnley, 
They now sit 16th in the league after Leeds' capitulation against Manchester City. We all thought Leeds were safe, didn't we? Well, they're just two points off the drop zone and Everton have a game in hand. So if every side 16th downwards wins the remainder of their games, it will be Leeds who go down, which is very, very interesting in my opinion, because it just goes to show that you're never safe until you're mathematically safe in the Premier League, doesn't it, Tomo? Yeah, Leeds fans must be very, very worried. I think you watch the nature of that defeat to Man City and they do just lack a striker. Bamford, obviously, injured for the season. He's really struggled with injury this season. Um, but they don't have a finisher and they get good chances, but they can't take them. And defensively, they're far, far too open still, even though Marsh has made them a little bit more solid. Some of the goals they concede at times, it's just that Bielsa away is so ingrained into some of these players that it's going to take a long time to get out of them. And that's not criticism of Bielsa. It's just the squad of players, unfortunately, isn't good enough to play that way. Um, they were dominated by City, um, who really got a big win to answer back to Liverpool's 1-0 win against Newcastle. But as for the Watford-Burnley game, I think what a massive last 10 minutes that was for Burnley at Mike Jackson's come in and to be fair, he has performed almost a miracle because I think when, when Sean Dyche was sacked, every probably non-Burnley fan, and I reckon probably a lot of Burnley fans' jaws dropped because I think everyone out, outside of looking in thought Sean Dyche was carrying that club on his back and really keeping them in the division. And when he went, I think most expected Burnley to just collapse, especially me, but They've actually shown character and a lot of fight and spirit. And Jackson's managed to maybe it's just the breath of fresh air that was needed at the club after so long under Dyche. And that's not a criticism of Dyche. I think he's probably one of the most underrated managers in the Premier League because of the job he did. But I think Burnley are pretty much they're not safe. I wouldn't say they're safe, but I think they're looking a lot more likely than leads to stay up certainly and if I'm honest obviously Everton beat Chelsea um, at Goodison 1-0 and if I had to pick one of those three to go down right now it'd probably be Leeds United unfortunately. Yeah sorry to our Leeds listeners but that's just our opinion we Leeds are well and truly in the mud but his but I don't think there's a side more universally wanted to be relegated than this Everton side because they have five games left they have Leicester, Watford, Brentford, Crystal Palace and Arsenal. And Leeds' next two matches are against Arsenal and Chelsea, for crying out loud. I Yes, I do Who's know... Arsenal? Who's Arsenal, by the way? Arsenal. <laughs> uh, you, you'd st- you stole my job there, de- dealing out a cheesy pun. But at the same time, I think that Arsenal and Chelsea are going to be two really big challenges for Leeds, as Arsenal have been they've been gelling together fairly well as a cohesive unit. And I'm just going to touch on the Arsenal game now, very briefly, as Rob Holding finally gets his first Premier League goal after over half a decade of waiting. And it meant that Arsenal overcome West Ham by two goals to one as a goal from Jared Bowen was not enough. And it was a good defensive performance from Arsenal as they stood firm and and answered West Ham's questions for the most part, despite even um, bar that Jared Bowen goal, of course, they were set for victory. Moving on now to the Championship, we are going to start off at the game which happened a couple of hours ago, the game which confirmed Fulham's status as champions of the championship. As Fulham hit Luton, who have been so defensively resolute recently, they hit them for seven. As Luton's treatment table just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. As Luton are... If I was a Luton fan, I'd be very worried. You have Gabriel Losho, James Bree, James Shea, Luke Berry and Pelly and Panzu all on the treatment table. Five very important players, that is. And it's just looking like a, a series of unfortunate events. And let's not forget that their goal difference that has taken a massive hit. It was, it was 14 at the start of the day. It's now dropped to, to just seven, which sa- says it all, really. And it, it says that 
Now, if Middlesbrough better Luton's result, then that means Luton will slip out of the playoffs. And I'm I'm going to keep my opinions quiet. But Tomo, what do you have to say on the matter? Couldn't be more happy. Couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke than that Nathan Jones. Nah, obviously non-biased. I'll be totally honest with you. I'm not a massive fan of Luton. Um, just I think the way that Jones goes on when he loses is is very childish. But from a, being putting my neutral hat on, I have to say. This is one of the worst things that could have possibly happened. A Luton fan going to bed last night, if you could genuinely think of the worst possible thing that could happen, it would have been that. 7-0. I mean, we've seen Fulham do it before. They're champions. They deserve it. They're the best team I, I've ever witnessed in the championship. Maybe that's a bit recency bias, but I just... Every time I watch them, seem to see them play, they just tear teams apart. And Mitrovic breaking Guy Whittingham's record in his 43rd, 43 league goals in a season, which is just absolutely disgraceful. I mean, he shouldn't be allowed to play another championship game again. Um, but Luton, not only is it bad for the goal difference, how are they going to pick themselves up now before that game? Yes, it's at home to Reading, who probably are the best team that you'd want to play right now because they don't care what the result's going to be. But those players are going to be so lacking in confidence and demoralised now that how are they going to get ready for that game? And all that's going to do is hand the initiative to Middlesbrough and Sheffield United. And those Blades fans, especially after that second-half performance against QPR on Friday night, couldn't be more happy watching that today. Um, and that's going to go right down to the wire. But... Who would have thought Luton would be the side that, that could miss out on the playoffs? I'm not sure many did, but if it does happen, then injuries are to blame. But also, I think their, their squad depth has been a slight issue, but, I mean, unprecedented injury issues. And poor, poor Matt Ingram, who, on his debut for Luton on an emergency loan, let seven in. And to be fair, he couldn't have done anything, really. I mean, he made some good saves as well. Yeah. He made he made four saves and fate and the expected goals on target he faced was four point seven nine, so his defense and his side around him really did leave him hung out to dry. He did what he could, but his attempt his efforts proved to be in vain. As one of the best individual performances this season from Harry Wilson leaves him with a nine point six after his trio of assists today, and and another and a further two goals to Alexander Mitrovic. And a third 7-0 victory for Fulham this season sees them as crowned as deserved champions. They've played some scintillating stuff this season and are just known to tear teams apart. We saw them do it in January where they managed to score give or take 23 goals, I read somewhere. Um, 7 plus 6. When they scored 19 goals in a week. Seven against Reading and then a further six each against Fulham and Birmingham. That is just mental. And Fulham, you are deserved champions. Commiserations on your 2022-2023 relegation from the Premier League. Another game we're going to touch upon, another mauling we're going to touch upon is Forest 5, Swansea 1. A game which just makes the clash on, which makes tomorrow night's clash at the time of recording against Bournemouth all the bigger, doesn't it, Tom? I honestly think that's probably one of the biggest games in championship history. I mean, I heard another podcast that's brilliant. They obviously won't listen. They're not the top 20 podcast. He, they mentioned that it's like a playoff final, really, um, because I think the winner of that game is going to get automatic promotion. And the way Nottingham Forest are playing right now, they've got to go in it as favourites. I mean... Sam Surridge, who was outcast at a mid-table Stoke side and was seen as not good enough and shipped out to Forest in January. And uh, Steve Cooper's managed to turn him into a, an absolute goal scorer. We thought when Keenan Davis was ruled out and Lewis Grabber as well, that, you know, two of your best strikers gone, how are they going to compete and score goals? And then they go and put five past Swansea. And I'll be honest, some of the defending for the Swansea from Swansea was embarrassing, really. Um, they really, that has been a weak point of them, their tendency to concede very soft goals this season, which last season was something under Cooper that they were so good at not doing. Um, but those Swansea fans would have been feeling incredibly jealous, probably watching Cooper's so-called boring 
Nottingham Forest stick five past them. And you know what? It's just Forest are the... I've never seen a team get to have so much momentum before because they're a joke right now. Yeah, I think if, aside from Fulham, of course, if there's a side in the Championship who I wouldn't, who I wouldn't want to come up against, it would 100% be Nottingham Forest. They're scintillating in front of goal with, with just such good team spirit and, and the momentum they've gained. Since the 12th of March, they've won every game bar one, which is mental, absolutely mental. And if, if Forest go up, they deserve it. They have been absolutely world-class this season since Steve Cooper came in. Obviously, under Chris Hutton, as we all know, they look like relegation fodder. But still, hats off to you, Forrest. And if you are the side that go up, good luck to you because you've been world-class season and coming from a very honest QPR fan, you deserve it. Tomo, um, I'm, not, I'm not really going to say much more. Other than let's move on to League Two and start in Rochdale as one of the highest scoring affairs of the weekend saw Rochdale score three goals and still managed to lose to a 95th minute winner from Elliot Anderson. As Bristol Rovers are, as Bristol Rovers sit fourth in the league and that's their playoff place signed, sealed, and delivered. Tom, what do you have to say about that game? It was mental, wasn't it? What character from the gas? I mean, to be that they, I think they were two nil down after something like twenty minutes. Um, they were three one down after sixty minutes. Yeah, I mean Luke Charman. It's good for him. He's obviously played for my local non-league side, Darlington. Um, so good to see him get, get a move in January to Rochdale. And scoring goals is always nice to see. Um, he put them two ahead, and all of a sudden you're thinking, blooming hell, two nil at half time. And then Sam Finley gets one, and you think they have a tendency to do this to uh, do the Rovers, and especially under Barton, who is a manager that I'm going to come on to in a minute. But we have to give him immense credit. Um, then they make it three-one Rochdale, and you think that's certainly game over. But Aaron Collins with a brace, and then an Anderson winner. I mean, just limbs central from those travelling gas fans who have a long way to travel and they always travel in, in very good numbers. I think, you know, they've got to go into that final day now, probably favourites for that third spot. Even though Northampton are above them and in con it's in Northampton's hands, I think when you look at Rovers' momentum that they've built, I mean, it's incredible. Barton was looking like he could have been sacked just in sort of January time, but the run they've gone on is just brilliant. And you've got to credit Joey Barton with it. Like him or not, he's got a track record of overperforming with teams. I mean, at Fleetwood, we've seen where Fleetwood are now in the league. Uh, you've seen he got them into the playoffs, you know, and he got them up challenging around the playoffs in League One. And then he took the Rovers' job. And yes, he technically did te get them relegated, but it was an absolute disaster of a club at the time. And I think they... People had looked from an outsider looking in, thought Bristol Rovers, oh, the lower mid-table League Two, Barton should be sacked. But I think it's took a little bit of time to turn that massive ship around and they were heading in the wrong direction and now they're heading in totally the right direction. And fair play to Joey Barton because he's done a very good job. Yeah, hats off to Joey Barton and credit where credit is due. He's really turned this Bristol Rovers side around. And I'd say Bristol Rovers definitely goes without saying have the easier game as Northampton come up against a re a regalvanised Barrow side under Bill Brown. And Bristol Rovers had the pleasure of playing Scunthorpe, who have won four games all season and have only won once in 2022. I mean, this is a bold shout, but I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if, even though there's a five-goal swing, if Barrow get beat by Northampton, maybe one or two nil, because Northampton don't win big. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bristol Rovers put five or six past um, Scunthorpe. If they can get a couple early, you wouldn't put it past that Rovers side to get absolutely loads of goals. And they could even get into that that spot, couldn't they? Honestly, I wouldn't put it past them. Only goal difference keeps them out right now. 
But another game we are just going to touch upon, and, and it's surely a dagger in Sutton Hearts, um, as Mark Hughes galvanised his Bradford to a 4-1 victory against Sutton, as a goal as a goal from Alistair Smith proved to be in vain, as as despite holding out firm for most of the game, it was it was a late late it was the matter of the late late show from Bradford as three goals in the last 13 minutes means that they overcome Sutton by four goals to one. Sutton need to win and hope that Sutton need to win and hope that Swindon failed to win on the final day in order to guarantee that seventh that seventh place. But irrespective of where they finish, it's been a fan, it's been a fabulous season for Sutton. That everyone expects them to come up and obviously having to rip up their artificial pitch. Everyone just expects them to roll over and die. But they've they've been fantastic this season. They've got all the way to Wembley to in the in the EFL trophy, only to lose against Rotherham, who have just been promoted to the championship for crying out loud. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it very shortly. But it's been absolutely fantastic, and I cannot wait to see. What's on the cards next season for Sutton United? Can you, Tomo? No, yeah, I mean, Sutton, it shows the strength of the National League, I think, with both Hartlepool. Yes, Hartlepool have dropped off a little bit, but after losing Dave Challoner mid-season, they've done exceptionally well as well, Hartlepool, and both promoted sides. And I think it says a lot about the strength of the division, you know, it down below. I mean... I wouldn't be surprised if it looks as though Stockport and Wrexham could be the two sides that go up. Certainly looks like Stockport will under Challoner. I wouldn't be surprised if they can challenge up the top of League Two next season, such as the strength of the National League and the money that's getting pumped into it. I mean, we've seen the famous Ryan Reynolds own TikTok and sponsored Wrexham now who are climbing up the league. But I think one one other thing I want to speak about as well is that um, the... Uh, League Two playoff race because two sides that we haven't spoken about there who could be in a bit of trouble really is Mansfield and Port Vale. Now they are currently fifth and sixth, but if you look at their remaining fixtures, Port Vale go to Exeter who will they have a title challenge on their hands, and Forest Green I think are away to Mansfield, and I can easily see both of those sides losing. And if Sutton and Tranmere if Sutton, Tranmere and Swindon all win, you could easily find those two sides missing out, despite looking pretty much certain to be in there and a lot of their fans feeling confident. But such is the the nature of the League Two right now. Swindon, who were almost out of it pretty much just two or three games ago, they could get third. If they win their game and Northampton, Bristol Rovers and fail they lose and then Port Vale and Sw- and Mansfield don't win Swindon could get third which is just incredible really I mean fair play to them and because they've turned it around under Ben Garner and even the likes of Tranmere still have a chance so three o'clock on Saturday me and you will probably be watching in a pub in Swansea probably quite drunk and it'll be an interesting watch yeah, that that that's for sure. We'll probably end up watching the first half quite drunk in Swansea, and we'll probably watch the second half on a, waiting for our train to pull out of Swansea. But it's gonna be a mental final day in League Two, and and I'm and to be honest, I'm really excited for it. I cannot wait to see how it plays out um, in League Two because obviously we obviously we can see that Swindon could still finish as low as ninth. If they lose and results go against them, but they could still finish as high as third. Likewise with Sutton, they could slip to tenth, and, and you, you know the vibes. It's mentally close there, and I'm um, I'm I'm all up for it. You're listening to the Top Four Tiers podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Moving on now to League One, and um, the season finished on Saturday, so we have a lot to talk about in League One. And we are going to start off at the bottom and work our way up. And we're, and we're just going to talk about what went wrong for each side in who went down from League One. I'm going to start off with what just, what went wrong for Gillingham, Tom? What went wrong for Gillingham? I think it's their start to the season. I mean, 
if you haven't seen that Neil Harris very volatile interview where he's clearly distressed and frustrated at the club and where he basically says that um, the seven players under contract at the club are all not going to be here next season. You couldn't be more honest than that, to be fair. Um, but it says a lot, really. They started the season horrendously and Harris, has they cannot lay any blame because he almost performed a miracle keeping them in that league. And to take it to the last day, fair play to them. Um, I think Fleetwood can count themselves very, very lucky that there was four worse sides in them this season because they've been truly awful at times this year and they're very lucky to stay up. Um, but yeah, Jill's next season, I think it's a massive clear out that's needed. There's a bit of protest against the owner. Um, I don't think the fans are very happy with how the club's been trapped. But if they can keep Neil Harris and give him back in, I would not be surprised if they're fighting for promotion in League Two next season at all. I think it was a matter of that. We, we came on the pod when it was very new after their 7-2 loss against Oxford. We came out. We came out and said that after Pontus Dahlberg's three point one out of ten on Bot Mob, we we all thought that Gillingham were dead and buried, because despite goals from Lloyd McGoldrick and McKenzie, four penalties from Cameron Brannigan was, um, and they, I just don't know what to make of them up until end of January, because Steve Lovell tried to run them into a brick wall. Um, he inevitably got his P45, as we all expected, but they looked, they were dead and buried when Harris came in. And I genuinely thought that up until they failed to win in any of their last six games, I genuinely thought Harris had worked a miracle and kept them up. But unfortunately, it was a matter of close but no cigar as they end up facing the drop on goal difference. Another side facing the drop is Doncaster Rovers. However, this one has been coming a bit more as despite going unbeaten for their last three games, it just wasn't to be for them, was it, Tomo? Nah, Donny have been pretty much down as long as crew have, really. Um, even though they have taken some momentum into next year, and that's something that Doncaster can at least vouch for and at least feel positive about. But the appointment of Richie Wellens at the start of the season, I think, was the wrong appointment. Nothing against Wellens. I don't think he's a bad manager, really. Um We've seen what he can do at Swindon and now he's doing all right at Leighton Orient. But I just think they didn't, they lost a lot of key players in the summer. Um, obviously, last season it fell apart for them towards the back end when Darren Moore left. Um, and yeah, they just haven't managed to turn any sort of real string, any sort of performances together. And I think if you look through their squad, they've got a lot of very average League Two players, in my opinion. And I actually think that unless they, they show some ambition, they'll probably struggle next year. and Not struggle, but I don't think they'll be up there in League Two, especially the strength of League Two right now. Yeah, as we touched upon earlier, League Two is looking like a very strong league for next season, especially with the sides who could well not get promoted. So it's, it is it is looking like that Doncaster could well struggle. And despite their spirited 1-1 draw with Oxford, it just wasn't to be. Another side who it wasn't to be for was a side who have been winless since the 7th of December, and that side is AFC Wimbledon. Tomo, what's gone wrong for them, do you think? Absolute disaster of a season, really, isn't it, for, for the Dons? I mean, after moving to a new stadium, the vibes around the club to start the season were brilliant. I mean, I even saw a couple of fans saying, you know, that they could even be a sleeper team to get into the top seven, six, which I never believed, if I'm totally honest. But you know what? With with Wimbledon, it's one of those where they've been flirting and flirting and flirting with relegation for so long. And they just haven't got a good enough squad. They've got some really good young players. I mean, that Jack Radoni is a good player. We hear about him all the time because certain players... Certain people that we know who QPR fans just love them so much. But they are decent players, like of Ayu Basal, Jack Rodoni, Luke McCormick. They're good players, um, but they just haven't got enough experience around that. And I think that's been their downfall this season. And again, I, if I'm not to be too negative, but I can't see Wimbledon going up next year. I can't see... I think they'll probably spend a fair few seasons down in League Two. And that's not very good for them because they would have wanted to 
really established. They'd have probably wanted a mid-table finish this year with that new stadium, establish themselves in League One and then push on from there. But a massive step back this season for the Dons, really, really poor season. Yeah, and as we've established, no win since their 2-0 away win at Accrington on the 7th of December, which just says it all, really. It's just been a really, really poor season. And another, and the side who had their relegation confirmed before Saturday was Crew Alexandra's. Some of their mazy losing streaks have succumbed them to drop and also sacking long-time manager David Artell really meant that they were well and truly in the mud. And yeah, Tomo, what do you think has gone wrong for Crew this season? It's a classic case of you can only keep being a selling club for so long before it comes back and bites you. They've produced some excellent players, especially for the size of their club. No disrespect to Crew, but the likes of Perry NG, Owen Dale, Charlie Kirk, they've all gone on to make moves to better sides, unfortunately, that are going to pay more money. And they've now got some promising young players, but they just haven't replaced any of that quality. Um, even the likes of Ryan Wintle, who's obviously went to Cardiff as well um, and has a decent season at Blackpool this year on loan. But they've lost loads of their best players and they just haven't replaced them. Again, Artel leaving, in my opinion, that's probably the wrong decision, although they've been so bad this season that probably something had to change. But another side that's coming down and you're thinking to yourself, can you really see Crew challenging in League Two next season bar a really big clear out in the summer? I, I honestly can't because I don't think financially they don't really attract the crowds. They don't have that much money as a club. They don't really have any players that you could sell on for money. And they don't really have any players. I look at that crew squad and I think, who would rip up League Two in that crew team next season? I've, I don't really see any, if I'm honest. That is interesting to see. And I'm Tom, I'm just going to pose to you a couple of questions about the season in League One. Which team do you think was the biggest disappointment of the season? Surely there's only one answer here. Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's that much of a stone cold. I don't think it's that obvious to me. Um, I do think that League One's been a season where, I mean, if you're a Charlton Athletic fan, you're probably very disappointed with how the season's gone because they're a team that would have promised to be up there and they've just finished mid-table. Um, but a team I'm probably going to go for is one that their manager has just left and that's Lincoln City. Um I don't know if that's the team you were you're expecting me to say, but it was. Yeah. Um, obviously, playoff final heartbreak last year, and to be 17th, and at, at certain stages of the season, they actually were looking like they could have been struggling relegation wise. And again, they're probably a team like Fleetwood that are lucky that there's four or five terrible teams in the league. Um, and, you know, Michael Appleton's left the club now, but. I don't know what it was because they've signed some good players. Chris Maguire on his day is a top player. Um, they had, you know, Anthony Scully started the season like a house on fire. They've signed John Marcus as well in January and they just haven't managed to string results together. And I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just they need a reset. They need a fresh start, a fresh squad. But it has been a disappointing season for them and Charlton and Ipswich. Because let's not forget, how ambitious Ipswich's summer was. They were going to walk the league. If, if most Ipswich fans had, you know, they'd have walked the league, but they've been never really in and around the playoffs. That's just, after such a poor start, really, um, that's what shot them in the foot. Yeah, I think their inability to hit the ground running early, bar McCauley Bond's good early season form prior to that Jaffa Cake thing, bar that, they, they just struggled to hit the ground running. And despite a in spite of resounding into the season with a 4-0 victory over Charlton, it's been a really, really poor season for Ipswich as they sit as they sit languishing in 11th place in League One, despite despite racking up 70 points, it was it wasn't enough as the bar was set so high in that league this season uh, towards the top of the league. It was set so low towards the bottom. And there's definitely some name, the death, there's definitely some big names in that side. We have Tyreek Backinson, Sammy Morsey, Connor Chaplin, who's done it in the championship, Burson Salina, 
also done it in the championship. Macaulay Bond has potential to do it in the championship. Sean Luco has done it in the championship. Tom Carroll has played in Europe in the last half decade, for crying out loud. It's just, it's just been very, very disappointing for Ipswich this season. And with so many big names, it's just, 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 just gone to pot. And if I was an Ipswich fan, I'd be really, really disappointed with how they performed this season. Because uh, I'm, I'm going to contradict that with asking you, what is your surprise package of the season, Tomo? Well, it, for me, it's a team that will be fans will be feeling very, very disappointed right now, and that's Plymouth Argyle. Now, Plymouth are unfortunately seventh. They've missed out on the playoffs thanks to a 5-0 defeat to MK Dons, who were also a surprise package. They've been superb this season, but Plymouth were starting the season so well, and I think a lot of people had them down there. And even after losing Ryan Lowe to Preston, Everyone thought, oh, they'll drop off now. But Schumacher came in and kept them up there and kept them really challenging. And I think they're just unlucky that they just ran out of steam towards the end because at certain stages, they were looking like top two challengers. Um, but they've just run out of steam. And I think it's the strength of those sides in the top six that we will talk about, obviously, um, later. But Plymouth will be very disappointed right now, but a lot of positives to take from their season. And I just hope that their team doesn't get picked off because they've got potential to build again next year. A couple of players to name a few. Luke Jeffcott, Jordan Garrick, Danny Mayer, and then goal and then net Michael Cooper. It's 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 looking like plenty of potential for that Plymouth Argyle side, but they, they just they just tailed off at, at, at the completely wrong time as they went on a mazy run in March, winning six in a row. But then since their 1-0 win over, over Oxford United, they've just gone winless, collecting only three points in that time to, to come to have them succumb to seventh place. And even, even though the feeling right now is, dis, is disappointment for Plymouth, I still think that they've had, as a whole, they've had a very pleasantly surprising season and loads to build on next season if they can keep the bulk of their squad together. Aside to, I think everyone, bar their biggest rivals, is are really pleased for this season, is Wigan Athletic, as they've gone up as deserved champions, having been up there all season long, and a 3-0 victory against Shrewsbury, rubber-stamping that first place for the Latics. Tomo, you can only really be happy for Wigan, can you? Yeah, Wigan, it's um, a brilliant story. I mean, we remember, I think we've spoken about this before, but we remember at the in the lockdown when they nearly went bust thanks to that Asian betting scandal, um, which was disgusting. Um, but great job from Liam Richardson. I mean, what they've done is they've, they've signed some very good players, the likes of James McLean, Jack Watmau, but people like Max Power, who Sunderland fans wouldn't have really been bothered that they, they sold um, or they let him go. And people like Tom Naylor, who Portsmouth fans wouldn't have been that fussed about really. Um, you know, they've all been let go. They all were swept up by Wigan and they've just managed to assemble a brilliant squad of players. Um, Will Keane and Callum Lang have been absolutely superb and they've made the difference really um, this season for the Ticks. And I think they could do well next year. I think they definitely need to strengthen their squad because at championship level, I'm not sure that Keane will get that many goals and that Lang will shine as much as he has, even though he's a very good player. Um, and McLean won't be a class above like he is in League One. But if they can add a few players, then defensively they're very solid. So that's the spine of their team sorted. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a really good season for, for Wigan. It's going from 20th to champions in that short space of time is fantastic. Another side, probably in the most predictable promotion of the season, is Rotherham United, as they bounce back from their relegations to the Championship in some style, finishing in second place once again. And their 2-0 their victory over relegated Gillingham rubber-stamping just that, as the uncovered away end was bouncing. Those the, limbs were an absolute... I mean, I know it's the, the perfect situation for limbs like a goal to send you up but boy that fair play Rotherham because those limbs were a joke 
Yeah, if if I was on that end, I probably wouldn't have been safe. It's made out of scaffolding for crying out loud, and <laughs> I just don't know. What to, I just don't know what to make of it because Rotherham, it's been very predictable promotion. Their defense has been extremely solid this season, only letting thirty three goals, which is by far and away the fewest amount of goals shipped in the league this season, which is very very good and loads of momentum to bring into the championship next season. But I think it goes from the back, Victor Johansson and Josh Vickers in goal have done bits. The likes of Ramani Evans Green, the veteran Richard Wood, Michael Ahique, Wes Harding, Dan Barlazza, to name a few, have all been craft them this season and want definitely, definitely have merited their promotion to the champ back to the championship. It does go without saying. We're just going to briefly touch on the teams who are in the playoff picture at the moment. Starting with another surprise package this season in MK Dons. Tom, what do you have to say about them? It's been what, a very good what, season under Liam yeah, Manning, hasn't it? what a season. What a season for MK Dons. Scott Twine, wow. What a player he is, by the way. He won League One Player of the Season and four goals to celebrate that on the final day, one of which a superb free kick. Um, but, you know, Don, Dons have just been a good footballing side. Manning has let them play. He's let the shackles off. And Martin had them playing a very, very possession-heavy style last season. But I think Manning's found that balance. They keep the ball a lot, but they don't just keep it for keeping it safe, which is what we've seen with Swansea and their weakness at times this season is just incessant passing around the back. Whereas MK have allowed the likes of Harry Darling, who, by the way, is some centre-half, He's been allowed to drive into mid- the midfield, commit players, and then you've got the legs around him. I mean, they lost their best player. The, they lost the best player in League One in Matt O'Reilly to Celtic in January. I have no doubt that Matt O'Reilly will play in the Premier League eventually because he's a superb player. And to lose someone like that in the heart of your team and actually get better is mental, I think. Fair play to MK Dons, and I, I think they'll... Um, Bold prediction. I, I mean, maybe we do our playoff predictions at the end of the pod, but I'm not sure how they'll fare in the playoffs. But it's been a hell of a season. And again, they're so unlucky to miss out on automatics. Yeah, hats off to them for taking it this far. And yeah, I think um, aside who we were all expecting to be up there this season was indeed Sheffield Wednesday. Now, Wednesday, they have loads of big names in their side. Bailey Peacock, Farrell in goal. George Byers, Massimo Luongo, Marvin Johnson, Barry Bannon being described as one of the best players to ever grace the one. And then up top, they have Saido Berahino and Lee Gregory, Josh Windass, Callum Patterson, Tom Dele Bashiru, just to name a few. It's they, they have loads of big names in that side. And a side you definitely expect to be up there. And it's been a slightly disappointing season for them, hasn't it, Tomo? I wouldn't say that. I think that's a bit harsh to say disappointing because we know how difficult League One is and the scenario that Wednesday were in last season, to be fair, they had financial troubles, obviously, a lot of players out of contract. They they were deducted points last year and signed a lot of players and we've seen with Ipswich how that can go. And Wednesday have also had a massive injury crisis, to be fair. I think Josh Windass is ability-wise probably the best player in the division. Um, but he well maybe Barry Bannon actually has something to say about that to be fair but certainly one of the best attacking players in the division and this season it's just been an injury after injury after injury but Lee Gregory has been superb 16 goals he's been their real spearhead up front even though the likes of Berahino have have contributed they've been very inconsistent like Berahino and Patterson um but Barry Bannon's the one, really. I mean, he stayed pretty much fit all season and made them tick. And as I say, I, I just couldn't believe that he stayed at Wednesday when they went down. I just thought, why on earth have Wednesday not, you know, why on earth has Bannon not gone to a top? Because genuinely, he would walk into any team in the championship. He'd probably walk into some Premier League midfields. Yeah, the fact that they managed to keep a player of Bannon's calibre is quite incredible and he's really shown his qualities this season on a stage where he's been allowed to perform. Just looking at some of his more recent FOBMOP ratings, 
I don't see a rating below seven out of ten on since September, which is absolutely insane. He, he I get why they've said that he's won the best do it in League One because there's so many man of the match performances in there from Bannon and he and he did and he deserves to be playing it in a lower mid table Premier League side. He's that good that. That, that's where he should be. He shouldn't be playing in League One. He should be playing in a lower mid-table Premier League side, say a Burnley or a Leeds or a Brentford. He'd look good in one of their midfields or even a Watford or, or towards the top end of the championship. He'd slot into someone like Huddersfield or Millsborough. I'd even take him at my beloved at our beloved QPR for crying out loud. But I was desperate for us to sign him in, in the summer. Um, I mean, that's the calibre of the player he is, the mighty Queen's Park Rangers. But, you know... It is, it, it's just, I think they hit the playoffs as well with a lot of momentum. Um, and obviously they take on Sunderland, who, if you don't mind, we'll speak about now. Another side who've had a, a topsy-turvy season. It's typical Sunderland. But to be fair, since the appointment of Alex Neal, it's steadied a lot. They've always been in League One, the big fish, the game that every other team gets up for. You know, I mean, it's probably a toss-up now between Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland, who the biggest club in League One is. But they were always the one that everyone wanted to be. And they've struggled with that. I mean, they've been in League One now. Is it four seasons in League One, which is crazy? And, I mean, most thought that they'd walk the league in their first season. We know that the Charlton last-minute playoff final goal that would have obviously hurt massively. But... They've always been a chaotic club. And under Lee Johnson, who is a manager that's very, very streaky. I mean, he has a nickname, Streaky Lee. You know, him and Sunderland just went hand in hand for the form. But Neil is a calm, cool and very, not boring is the wrong word, but he's not overly excitable. Um, The football isn't brilliant, but it's just winning football. And that's all Sunderland want is a winning football team. And I think they hit the playoffs in decent form and... I reckon they're probably the favourites for the playoffs because under Neil, he, in my opinion, is the best manager out of those four, even though Manning is a very, very good manager, but he hasn't done it in these high-pressure situations where we know Alex Neil, he's won a playoffs with Norwich. You know, he's he's been in this situation and done it before. And to be fair, so is Gareth Ainsworth, Wickham's manager, who, again, needs massive credit because they've done superbly. But I think Sunderland are a force and I think the stadium alight will be rocking in those two games against Wednesday and I can't wait. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be really, really two amazing games that we are going to watch. And the final side in the playoffs we are going to speak about is Wickham Wanderers. Now, Wickham, they took their battle against relegation from the Championship to the final day. They needed a major miracle to stay up. However, it wasn't how they did their part by beating Middlesbrough 3-0, but it just wasn't to be. And this season, they've taken the momentum that their good run at the end of the season last time out gave them. And they, they've just been, while it's been fairly inconsistent, they have been unbeaten since their last loss came the 26th of February, which just goes to show how if you get a consistent run of form together, then you know, it it can really galvanise your momentum. It can really galvanise you and push you in the right direction. And we've seen that with Wickham this season. They're really going for it. And fair, fair play to them. Ainsworth, he knows how to get the best out of his players. He's he's probably one of the longest serving managers in, in the land now that Dyche has gone. He's been at Wickham. He's been Wickham manager since 2012, which is insane. Just think he's been there that long. 2012. Just think, I was seven when he took over. That is mentally long. That is unbelievable dedication and dedication, which is very rare in modern football. We've seen at Harrogate, Simon Weaver's been there for 13 years, but it's very, very rare to see dedication like that, isn't it, Tomo? Yeah, I mean, Wickham, what a a job Gareth Ainsworth has done there. I think... They just perfectly go together. The size of the club to be punching in and around Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, finishing above Portsmouth, Ipswich, Bolton, Oxford, you know, and Plymouth as well. That's superb. And I think, again, they take momentum into those playoffs. You know, they go into those 
having snuck in on the last day. And I think it, I think they could struggle against MK Dons, but then again, they probably match up quite well against them. Um, so that'll be a very intriguing game. Yeah, again, it's all looking very, very interesting in League One. And Adams Park is going to be a sellout, isn't it? It's going to be mental. Even it's... the car park will be sold out. <laughs> the, the car park will be sold out. The train the train prices will be exorbitant. The buses will be stand the buses from the station because it's a bit of a trek from the station. Obviously, living near Wickham, I know the area like the back of my hand. The the buses will be rammed and it's going to be mental. So that rounds off the top four tiers podcast this week. But just before we round off, I would like to take your predictions for the League One playoffs. Tomo, how do you think they will play out? Well, I'm going to go with a final of Wickham Wanderers versus Sunderland. And I think Sunderland will win it. I think MK are a brilliant side, but two sides that, even though they finished the season so well, they deep down, they will be feeling gutted, thinking oh, one more point or one more win here or there, or one more, two more draws, and we'd have been a championship team now. Um, and so I think MK will be disappointed with that slightly, and Wickham will just be thankful to be in the playoffs, and they'll play with no fear. And Sam Vokes is an experienced head, and I can just see him bullying that MK defence, even though the likes of Harry Darling and Dean Lewington, obviously very experienced, may be able to deal with him. That's one that could go either way. But I am confident that Sunderland beat Wednesday. I think Sunderland just, I think they'll win the first leg easily. And I, and I think they might draw in the second leg. But then the playoff final, I just think it'll go down on quality. And Sunderland have so much in their team. And that'll be enough for them, in my opinion. So I think Sunderland will finally get out of League One. And I think it'll be good to see, to be fair, because nobody wants to see teams with great fan bases struggling and that's what they have been for the last four years. Yeah, they have been struggling down the league one. I'm going to go with a bit of a different approach. I think it will be I think it'll be a playoff final of Wickham versus Sheffield Wednesday. I think when more the more individual quality from Wednesday will outweigh Sunderland. I think Barry Bannon will have the games of his life and then I actually think my local team, Wickham, will end up getting promoted. I think Sam Vokes will pick the defence apart. Along, I think Sam Vokes will pick the defence apart. They'll stand firm, and then they'll they'll get that they'll get they'll get the promotion they deserve, and they'll get another shot in the championship. This time around, with a much with 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 a significantly stronger team than what what they had coming into the championship two years ago. So that rounds off the Top 4 Tiers podcast this week. It's been a pleasure to record once again. If you're new here, um, either way, please make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Tom, do you have any last words before we round off? No, it's just this is the best time of the football season, so enjoy it because that's what it's for. Enjoy it while it lasts. Otherwise, you're going to have a, a year-long wait to experience it all again. The excitement of the playoffs is second to none. And I can't wait. Over and out. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us at Top 4 Tears. You've been listening to Tom Ward, founder of this multimedia empire, and myself, Lucas Ross, editor and producer. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>